eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. There's a little bit of news, Bruins-wise, that does not involve um, Cassidy. Uh, So they signed yesterday. They signed Jesper Boquist. um, And, Scott, this is another, you know, bottom, I, I wouldn't even say, like, bottom six like he's maybe even fringe bottom six um the Bruins are able to sign him on I believe the league minimum right Scott yeah one year seven hundred seventy five thousand dollars so you know it is interesting that they keep signing depth forwards and I don't think there's any harm in it like Boquist is, is a younger player he's 24 turning 25 in December um he was an early second round pick in 2017 scored in juniors um coming up so you're same kind now morgan geek i think is a better player who's had a little more production at the nhl level but similar idea of like he has a younger player who has kind of been buried hasn't quite clicked where he was let's bring him in and see if maybe we can you know uncover a little bit more in this case you know offensive potential that He's maybe flashed in the past, but hasn't really come through yet. Um, he does have a pretty good shot. He's had a pretty high shooting percentage. The last couple of years doesn't take a lot of shots, so that's obviously something you'd like to see him do more. Um, actually had the best 5-on-5 five five shooting percentage on the Devils last season. Had pretty good defensive metrics. Um, he came up as a center, but he's been bad on faceoffs in the NHL, so... Very bad. 36%. I was looking it up yesterday. 36% through about four years. Um, Not that he's played a lot of games in some of those years, in some of those seasons, but um, yeah, 36% face-off percentage. uh, Not not great in 189 games. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, maybe someone... So I more likely see him on the wing, at least to start, and you know, maybe get him under Chris Kelly's tutelage and the faceoffs improve. Ooh, tutelage. Um, Good job, Scott. There's your there's your vocabulary word of the day. <laughs> Thank um, you. um but yeah, I don't know. Again, it's it's 
a very low risk move. And I know, you know, some of the first reactions you see is like, why does Sweeney keep signing guys to block young players coming up? And on the one hand, I get it. Like everyone wants to just see, you know, a couple open spots for some of these younger guys to compete for. On the other hand, I'll say the same thing I've said before. Like these aren't, these aren't signings that really hinder you. If a young guy beats out Boquist for a job or Patrick Brown or AJ Greer, they're going to play. Like those are contracts that are easy to wave and either, either someone picks it up and they're gone or, you know, they, someone doesn't pick them up. You send them down to Providence. Like, I don't think there's much of an issue there. It's not like you can't move these cheap one-year contracts. Yeah, I like I like the addition. Honestly, I think uh, you, the way you put it, Scott, low risk. It is low risk. Uh, you know, Jesper Boquist is one of those guys that, you know, admittedly you don't watch um, every New Jersey Devils game, but the last four or five years, it feels like the whether the playoff uh, the Devils were playoff bound or not, one of the big accolades people would say about them is they're up and coming and they're fast. They got great team speed and 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 Jesper Bratt was one of those guys. Jack Hughes was one of those guys. Pavel Zaka was one of those guys. Um, you know, and, and killer Miles Wood. Miles mm-hmm. Wood. Uh, Who Brian went golfing with. I did actually. I forgot about that. <laughs> By the way, uh, Ski Three isn't just Jack Eichel's home rank. It was my home rank, but nobody. That's okay. I'm it, not freaking. Oh, that. okay. <laughs> it was sort of mine too at one point. Like I, I definitely played in the league when I was younger, where like all of our games were there. And then we then we moved to the Merrimack Valley Conference, and we were at like all the MVC ranks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Skate three was my home rank growing up. It's my high school high school rank. And then Nashville also had a they built a rank called Conway Arena in like two thousand three or four. And then I kind of split time between the two. Regardless, um, I never got to bring the cup back, so I'll, I'll give it. To, <laughs> I'll give it to Jack. It's okay. Um, actually, all joking aside, though, it is it is really cool that that the cup is going back to Skate three. That that is really neat. Um, if you go there, if you go there to see the cup, well, it's the summertime, so I don't know if the snack bar is open, but, uh, they have phenomenal pizza there. They've got to have that open. Like you're going to, there's going to be like a bunch of people in there. It's open to the public. Yeah. Got to have the snack bar open. They'll be open. They'll be open. Uh, shout out Alex in there. (laughs) Uh, what were we talking about guys? What was last time? Oh yeah. The devils had a lot of speed and that was, yeah. Uh, and Top five both. Massachusetts ranked snack bars. <laughs> yes, that's what we were talking about. <laughs> um, Jesper Boquist was one of those guys that were, I used to watch the Devils, and and his speed, w- w- he was one of those guys like, oh, that guy's pretty quick. Now you look at his at his 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 stats over the last couple of seasons, and it, there's really nothing there to be seen much, um, which kind of surprises me because, again, not watching the Devils too often. I, when I watched him a few years ago, I thought he was one of those players that was up and coming and, and could be a good player for them. Um, so definitely has good speed. I think he has good hands. Um, he's a crafty player. He hasn't put the production together at the NHL level. So Bridget, when you, when you call him a fringe, would you call him a fringe middle six or a fringe bottom, bottom six? Well, like I would say like calling him bottom six might be generous. Like he might be bottom three or fringe. Bottom three or fringe. And I think, I think based off of his NHL production, I think that's fair. I think the Bruins hope that maybe one of these days he can kind of evolve his game and maybe at some point become a, 
a middle six fixture. I don't know. I don't really know what his ceiling would be. I think that that, that could be a fair ceiling. Whether he reaches it or not is a different question. But uh, I like the signing. It's, you know, it's less than a million dollars. He's a young player and he has NHL experience and he has a couple of tools that are pretty evident when you watch him play. He just has to put it all together and Boston hopes that he can do that with them. Yeah, I don't know if you guys had a chance to listen to his exit interview from the Devils, but he talked about how the first half of the season, he really did not like his game the first half of the season. Um, he mentioned there were there were games in the playoffs that he didn't really want to talk about either. Um, the question about him has been the consistency. Um, speed is one of his main attributes. I, I think he's – this is something Scott and I talked about last episode when we were talking about um, rookie development camp was that some guys still need to put on a little bit of weight and muscle. I think focus could probably serve to put on a little bit of weight. It might, um, you know, help him against these NHL guys. But um, like you mentioned, he's not super young. He's 24. Um, his speed, I, I don't know if, you know, if you want to compare him to anybody, but like, um, you know, when Lauko comes up and plays on, on the fourth line, he's kind of they, they're kind of using him for his speed i don't think that those two players are, are similar in their their uh you know their personalities lauko is a little bit more of a grinder focus more like skill and speed but um yeah i just i i don't know how far up the lineup he goes and especially when you think about it um where the cap situation is right now in order for them to sign bergeron and Krejci back i believe they would have to waive one of the three players that Scott mentioned, uh, Brown, Boquist, or Greer. Yeah, well, oh, possibly. I mean, we just don't know like what the money would be or what they'd be looking for. But, you know, you still get a re-sign Swayman and Frederick who are still out there as restricted free agents. Arbitration hearings scheduled for end of July. Like, I think... Frederick's August 1st and Swayman might be like July 30th or 31st um, if they don't agree to a deal before then. So right now the Bruins have, according to cap friendly, $5.4 million in cap space, which I think should be enough to sign those two or like right in that area. And I know one of the first, like saw a couple of people react to the Boquist signing saying, like, goodbye, Trent Frederick. Like, does this mean, you know, they don't think they're going to sign him? And I don't think it means that at all. Like, I don't, I don't think he's a necessarily a Trent Frederick replacement. I guess if things did fall apart with Frederick and whatever, some, you know, that does get dragged out to arbitration and he gets awarded a higher number than they anticipated, then it could be some insurance for, for that scenario. But I still don't really see that happening. Like, I expect... I still expect them to get a deal done with Frederick. I think they still have the money sitting there for it. And you're right. Then if Bergeron does come back, you probably have to free up some money somewhere, but I think they have some easier paths to do that now. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a big contract. Assuming Bergeron, you know, is coming back cheap and not asking for like 5 million. So there's no way. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, but, you know, I, I think Boquist, it's just it's another guy to come compete for jobs because it's like if you line it up right now and, you know, you, you could move like the wings around. But let's just say like in general, top line, Marshan, Zaka, Pasternak, second line, Van Riemsdyk, Coyle, um, DeBrusque, 
I don't know why I was just blanking on that, but you know, third line, you, you figure Frederick and Geeky are there, and then there's the competition. And you know, I don't know if Lucic can play third line anymore, but Lauko is going to battle for that spot. You know, whether it's a uh, Lysel or McLaughlin or um, Merkelov, like those guys can all battle for a third line spot. And I think you throw Boquist into that group where it's like, if you can tap into more offense, then maybe you can battle for that spot. Or if not, all those guys are also battling for fourth line jobs. And you have Patrick Brown in there and Greer and Johnny Beecher. And it's like, I just don't think it's a bad thing to have all this competition because again, if, if a Boquist or Patrick Brown loses out, like you can just bury those contracts. Like you can just cut those guys. So um, yeah, there's some upside there and worst case scenario. Like I think he's perfectly fine as a fourth liner or extra forward or whatever. So, um, you know, it, it makes sense to me. Like it's, Again, it's a very low risk move that that's a chance worth taking. So at this at this stage in the summer, uh, free agency as is come, it's it's for the most part it's gone. Um, you know the draft is coming and gone. Now we have to, to 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 wait and see if Bergeron comes back. If Bergeron doesn't come back, I just think um, I don't know. I don't know if a if a hockey trade is in the future for the Bruins this summer for, for, to potentially bring a center. in. I, I, you know, the, the longer this goes, the more I just kind of feel like it's either Bergeron comes back and every center slides down a slot or, or they're going to run out with coil and, and Zaka. And, um, you know, not only is that not ideal for, for up the middle, but when you have James Van Riemsdyk as your second line left wing, I also think you're lacking depth in the wings too. So it's not just center. So, you know, I think, if Bergeron comes back, it solves a lot of problems, but I still, either way, I mean, they seem to be, I mean, it makes sense, right? I mean, Bertuzzi's gone, Taylor Hall's gone, um, you know, that, that that they're a little bit short on the left side. So, you know, this 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 forward grouping is no secret. Like, the goaltending's fine, the defense is great. I mean, no, I would say the goaltending is great, uh, at least in the regular season. The goaltending situation is great, the defense is great. But up, up front, though, it's not just center ice that they're lacking right now. Even if Bergeron comes back, they got some... I mean, I know, we all knew this was coming, right? But it's just there's a lot to be desired for this forward group right now. And it, it just it, – for me, it's one of those situations where, like, if that's the case, you really – it's really – you really want to see a Merkeloff or a Lysel and or, or some of these some of these younger guys. And probably, like, now's their chance to get them in there. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with signing Geeky. I'm not disagreeing with signing Boquist. Like – no big deal. Like honestly, those I like those signings. I'm just saying, like this is this is when you want to see some opportunity, and, and some of these younger players take this opportunity. And and I know that, and Scott maybe in Bridge. I don't believe you were in attendance. Maybe you were, but at uh at rookie camp or development camp uh, at Warrior this past week, I see some people in, in attendance that are a little bit sour on Lysel. His his. his I mean, I wasn't there to really watch him, so I can't really speak to it. Um, well, we can, can we just plug our last episode? Because Scott spoke to Lysel and Lorai. So if, if anybody wants to go back and listen to what Lysel said he's going to be working on this offseason, um, you know, that was part of our last episode. Okay. And so with that in mind, do you 
did you get the sense that that Lysel is is in position to challenge for an NHL spot this season? And did your eyes tell you that when you watched him? I know it's still the summertime well, and it's still months to go, but yeah, I mean, and in Lysel's case, it was extremely hard to judge because his entire offseason has been thrown off by the concussion he had at the end of the season. And last week was really the first time he got back up to full speed and was on the ice, like really doing hard drills. Um, you know, wasn't, wasn't even on the ice on Monday was no contact Tuesday, Wednesday. So you're only talking about two days that he was really up to full speed. And that's his first two days up to full speed of the summer. Whereas other guys, you know, take take their couple weeks off after the season and then you know have probably been skating pretty hard for a couple weeks leading leading into development camp um i still think he had some some really strong moments like his skating still especially against kind of that age it still stands out and his offensive skill like you can just tell like those defensemen at that level of you know rookie development camp struggle to to handle that now what he has to work on between now and training camp and preseason is, you know, being able to do that against NHL level players. He was pretty open about the fact that he got worn down in Providence last year. And on the one hand, it's his first year as a pro. He turns 20 during the season, like understandable to an extent, but also, if you're talking about a guy that you're hoping makes an impact at the NHL level this year, not really ideal to hear that, you know, as early as late December, early January, he was feeling burnt out. Like, you know, it, and to clarify, cause a couple people responded and were like, well, he had a concussion. What do you expect? No, no. Like burnout came long before that. We're talking mid season. The concussion wasn't until the very end of the year. So, um, yeah, he's, I think he has quite a bit of work to do in terms of endurance, strength, you know, muscle, like all of it. It's not impossible. Like you can, you know, players can transform quite a bit over the course of a couple months. But in terms of him, like winning an opening night roster spot, I at this point, I feel like it's probably an uphill battle just because he had so much work to do and had his off season basically delayed, you know, a full month, almost two months. Um, but you know, we'll see. He's going to, obviously he's going to be there at training camp and playing in the preseason. So he'll have a chance to, to prove that he's ready. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see where, where he can get to by September. Yeah. And I don't know, Brian, if you had any other questions about, development camp because actually since since you were on uh i'm guessing you were in new hampshire i was also in new hampshire for the fourth um but uh development camp we had uh discussed some of the signings what did you discuss the signings with scott before like because i missed the week before that <laughs> um mm-hmm. yeah we um i actually i actually had a question for you scott about um some of the development camp stuff. So there's a lot of hockey East guys that are, you know, that are out at camps, but there's quite a few at Bruins camp. Um, did you get a chance to look at Spedbeck from the, the Providence goalie? Yes, but I will just say it's, and anyone who like works these development camps will tell you the same thing. 
it's extremely difficult to judge any goalie in, in, in an yeah. environment like this. Like they're just facing a million shots all day long all, during all it's a lot of one on O's, two on O's, two on ones, like, you know, a little bit of scrimmage. I guess what I will say is the goalies looked good in the scrimmage because they played three 10 minute periods of five on five and no one scored until the final 10 seconds of, of the scrimmage game. So, uh, Goalies were, were pitching shutouts in the scrimmage. Um, but other than that, like, I, I can't pretend I have, like, a detailed analysis of how Phillips sped back or any of the other goalies did because it's just, you know, it's good to have them out there on the ice. You need goalies out there, but it's it's pretty hard to, like, judge their games in that environment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.